Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter... Me at verse 13, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. And I'm going to read through to verse 20. And I do have a word from God for you today. After I preach this word today, I am headed straight to the beach. Yeah, we're getting out of town. But I'm going to leave you inspired today. I'm going to stir and motivate you to do more than you think you can accomplish today. And let's look at verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Say that with me. I will build my church. Say it one more time. And the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Last week, we talked about why you need a pastor. And if you haven't had the opportunity to hear that message, I encourage you to go to truelifefc.org, to our YouTube page. And check out that message, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're on every available voice. And check out the message, Why You Need a Pastor. I believe it was very important to us individually as well as collectively as a community and a body of believers. And today, I want to talk about I will build my church, what Jesus mentioned in this passage of scripture. The purpose of church, why you need a church and why the church exists. And I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I will uh, take some time to show you why the church is so imperative, so important, and so necessary during these critical seasons and times. And we're going to get into that today. But we pick up here in verse 13. Jesus has about six months until he goes to the cross in verse 13. So he gathers his disciples who have been traveling with them about two and a half years at this point. A lot of them don't know who he is. And so that's why Jesus asked them, uh, what are people saying about me? Uh, what's the word on the street? What's going around town? What are y'all hearing about me? And they reply, well, some say, you know, you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah, you know, one of the prophets. I mean, if I were to ask anybody in, uh, in your, you know, uh, realm of influence and say, tell me a little bit about Brian or tell me about Hannah. And then some would say this, some would say that. Some would say something else, right? Everybody has a different opinion on who you are. And likewise, they have an opinion on who Jesus is. So, you know, they had some good things to say. I mean, Elijah was a powerful, mighty prophet who performed miraculous miracles and signs. I mean, some say you're Elijah, that you perform miracles, signs and wonders. Some say that uh, you are Jeremiah, you are a prophet. And then some say, you know, that you are just a godly man or, or a man sit here to prophesy and to do mighty things. 
And so Jesus in turns asked them, well, who do you say that I am? And this is so very important because this question deals with life and death in eternity. Uh, are you going to spend eternity in heaven or are you going to spend eternity in hell? I mean, who do you say that I am? And if I were to ask everyone individually that I know, who do you say that Jesus is, we will get a variety of reasons. But we find out when Jesus asked his 12 disciples, who do you say that I am? 11 of them stay quiet. 11 of them keep their mouth shut. They don't respond with anything. But Simon Barjona responds and he says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And that word Christ means anointed one or Messiah. It is not Jesus's last name. It is a title, Messiah. It is a mission. I am anointed or I carry with me burden removing, yoke destroying power. I'm anointed to make things right. I'm anointed to, to make the crooked places straight. I'm anointed to remove things that are in your life that are causing dissension between you and God, that are causing you not to have abundant life, that is causing you not to experience true life. I am anointed to get rid of those things. And it's also he's anointed to destroy some things. And when things are destroyed, they cannot be put back together. I know times I watch a lot of sports and we say, man, that team destroyed that other team. Well, that's actually not true. They're going to come back the next week or the next day and they're going to play another game. They weren't destroyed. If something is destroyed, it cannot be put back together. And you best believe Jesus is anointed to destroy evil works in your life. They cannot come back together to harm you anymore because Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And so Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God, says to Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He simply means that you didn't get this from your grandma. You didn't get this from your brother and sister. You didn't get this from mom and dad. You got this from the father. The father himself has told you that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. You didn't get it any other way except by the spirit of God. And then Jesus says something so bold to him. I love it. He says, and now you are Peter. Now, uh, his name was Simon Barjona or Simon, the son of John. And he says, but now you're Peter. And Peter means stone. Peter means uh, a piece of a rock. He says, you're Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Now, let's pause here for a second. Peter didn't know who he was until he discovered who Jesus was. This is so important. Until he discovered who Jesus was and is, that's when Jesus revealed to him who he is. And there's right, right now in our society, we're dealing with a lot of identity crisis. People don't know if they're a male. They don't know if they're a female. They don't know uh, it's sexuality. They don't know if they're black. They don't know if they're white. They don't know if they're Hispanic. They don't know if they're rich. They don't know. If they, they don't know. They, there's an identity crisis. And I believe it's because they don't know who Jesus is. Amen. And it's our responsibility to notify them, to let them know, to preach the gospel of who Jesus is. Because once they discover who Jesus is, then and only then will Jesus tell them who they are. 
And if you're dealing with identity crisis of who you are or your purpose, why you exist or your mission, the reason for your existence, then you have to dive in into who Jesus is. Discover who Jesus is. Begin to find out who Jesus is. And once you find out who Jesus is, he'll tell you who you are. And so he told Simon Barjona, you are Peter. So you're a stone. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, side note, when I was in Bible school, I went to Jerry Savelle's Bible school and uh, they had us find out who we were supposed to be in write down and dream and imagine, you know, what you would do as time went on and what you were accomplished. And they wanted us to be very specific. Well, I told them, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start a church one day and we're going to get a church started and we're going to be, we're going to be a powerful group of people and a good community of people, which we are today. And then I told them though, but the name of the church was going to be The Rock. The Rock. And I just love the name The Rock. Now, as I, I just loved it. But as I got, you know, older, the Lord spoke to me, spoke to me and said, true life. But I, it's going to be called The Rock, you know. And that was before Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, had come out, okay. So I wasn't naming after him. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't really around at that point. But uh, we're going to call it The Rock. But I said that to say, Jesus said to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Now, some people believe that the church is built on the back of Peter. That That is not the case, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. However, the church is built on the rock. So the church should be a rock in any city. The church should be a rock in any community on this rock. Well, what is the rock? The rock is the revelation of who Jesus is. The rock is the revelation that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God. That's the foundation upon which the church is built on. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one. He's the rock. He is the son of the living God. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the, 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 the unity between us and the father, the restoration, the reconciliation between us and the father. Jesus is the rock. And it's on this rock Jesus said, I will build my church. Now, notice Jesus is the builder of the church. Jesus builds the church. Now, when we talk about building something, it's totally different than talking about planting a seed. A lot of times the Bible has a lot to say about agricultural examples. Uh, you plant a seed and the seed will grow underneath the surface and it will sprout up and all you need to do is water it. But if you find good sound, uh, good ground and you got a good seed, you plant it, it'll do it. It'll do the work on its own and it'll sprout up and it'll grow. You just got to give it some time. And there's a lot of principles in scripture where that is concerned, uh, especially about planting seeds and agriculturally. But when Jesus talks about, I will build the church, we're going to talk about now some sweat equity involved. It's not simply plant a seed and wait for it to grow. Building is going to take some construction. Building is going to take an erection. There's going to have to be an assembly and there's going to be some framing and there's going to be some establishing and there's going to be moving parts 
in order to build something. And when Jesus said, I will build my church, what he's essentially saying is, I'm going to use through construction, through framing, through tools, through stones, and through people, I'm going to bring them together and I'm going to build my church. Now, Peter means pebble or small rock. When Jesus says on this rock, that's a different word than the word Peter. This rock is a boulder or a very large rock. And so this rock is large because it has been hooned together from little pebbles coming together, being impacted together to create a large Ephesus that is now known as the rock. And what Jesus is saying, upon individuals, I'm going to bring a collection of people together, a royal priesthood, a chosen nation of people. I'm going to bring them together and then I will build my church. Now, this word church is in the Greek is the word ecclesia. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but forgive me. And this word just simply means selected ones, chosen ones, a chosen race. Uh, I wrote down here that this word church means the body of Christ, an assembly of kingdom citizens or called together ones, called together ones. So you are selected. You are chosen. You are God's people. You are the body of Christ. You're an assembly of kingdom citizens that have been called together. And Jesus said, I will build. My church. So there's going to take some effort. There's going to take some construction. There's going to take some assembly to build the church that can withstand the gates of hell. Glory to God. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ has been established. It is firm in the earth. It is not going anywhere. The gates of hell cannot overcome it. Matter of fact, I'm so bold, I'll build a church right next door to the gates of hell. If hell was a place on earth, we'll build a church right next door to it because it can't overcome the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody shout amen in here. The church has been around for so long and we, we've seen it after Jesus ascended and, and, and he left the disciples and, and the church has been established and everything has tried to get rid of the church. From government to empires to rulership to, to, to wolves in sheep clothing has tried to get rid of the church. But the church is not going anywhere, glory to God. It has been built on the rock on firm foundation, and it is here for good. And if the church were to ever leave the earth, evil would conquer the earth in its totality. What's holding back evil from conquering the earth the way the enemy wants to conquer the earth is the church. The church is holding back the evil. We're resisting the gates of hell and it shall not prevail in the earth. Matter of fact, we have been called to legislate this earth. 
Are you listening to me? The church has been called to legislate in the earth. We are the collection of selected ones and chosen ones by God to come together in unity has been called to rule and reign and dominate this earth. I thought I'd get a bit amen in that. We've been called to establish what should happen on this earth. And what we have done instead of ruling and reigning, we have allowed the culture to come inside of the church and then tell us what we can and cannot do. But it's supposed to have always been the opposite way, that we were supposed to be countercultural to what's going on outside of these walls, and we were supposed to go and change and rearrange things on the outside. But unfortunately, through wimpy leaders and people, <laughs> scared people, People that don't know their rights and their authority, we have allowed the culture to come in and change and rearrange things that happen in the church. And now get this. And if we can't change everything on the outside, it should look different on the inside. And they should be looking like it's working in the church. Them Christian folks, them saints, them believers, things are working. The kingdom of God, they may not use the word kingdom of God, but that's what it is. It's working amongst them and things are working and we need to be going to them trying to figure out how to get it to work out here. Here's why I'm telling you the truth, because in verse 19, Jesus said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. What are keys? Keys is what gives you access. Uh, many, many years ago, we were meeting in a in a band room and I think we were in community house middle school at this point. Zavin was was really, really young. And we used to have to rate on the janitor to open up the, the door. And sometimes he was on time and sometimes he wasn't. And we had to wait on him. And thank God we're not there anymore. Praise God. And we had to wait on the janitor and he would come. And I remember Zavin was real young and he said to me, he said, Daddy, you don't you don't own the church. And I was like, no, well, no, I never said I owned the church. No, son, I don't own the church. No, I, I never said that. And um, um, I'm the pastor, but I don't own it. I, I'm, I'm the under shepherd under Jesus, but I don't own the church. But son, why did you say I don't own the church? He said, because you don't have the keys. Huh. This is why ownership is so very important. He said, because you don't have the keys. And I thought, son, you you speaking uh, deeper than you even realize right now. We we gotta we gotta wait on this janitor to to open it. He come when he want, and sometimes he had an air on, and sometimes he didn't. You know, he just whatever he wanted to do. And so I didn't have the <laughs> I didn't have the keys. And I learned something through that example that uh, I need to get the keys. Hence, why we're in this building, and why there's other buildings that we're going to be a part of. Praise God. And so I need to get the keys. And so the keys is what gives you access. The keys is what gives you authority. It's the keys. And some of you even right now, uh, he didn't notice he didn't say I'm going to give you the key. One key to access one area. He said, I'm going to give you the keys. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm imagining a key ring that has lots of keys on it. And some of you have a key ring. You don't even know where your keys go to. I was looking at a key ring in my house. Had all these keys. I have no idea where all these keys go to. Well, what does that tell you? That tells you I don't have access to the areas because I don't even know where they go. Or let me say it this way. I have access, but I don't know how to use it. I have the authority. I got the keys, but I don't know how to use the keys. And Jesus told them, he said, I've given the church the keys of the kingdom, the church. He says, and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. What is he saying? Whatever you permit on earth should have been something that I have permitted in heaven. Now, listen to me. There are things happen on this earth that God is not permitting to happen. He doesn't want it to happen. It is not part of his plan. It's not part of his will. And he says, listen, I've given the church because the local church is the hope of the world. I said the local church is the hope of the world. I've given the church keys so that they should not allow something on earth that I do not allow in heaven. And what I allow in heaven should be loosed on the earth. So it's about permitting and forbidding. Permitting and forbidding. I, you, we should be forbidding things to happen in this earth. And, and if we can't stop everything on every level, we should be forbidding happening in our local house. Are you listening to me? We should be saying, hey, that I forbid that to come into, into the church. Well, you know, you know, you got to you got to pastor, you got to wake up. You know, I mean, um, you, you, there's some things that should be happening and you know, the world is changing and the Bible's an old book and it hasn't been able to catch up with the culture. I forbid it to happen in the church. Amen. It has been forbidden. It will not be allowed. And I also forbid it to happen in my community. Amen. You listen, we we have not been releasing, binding and loosing and releasing and stopping in our prayer life, in our declaration, in our in our activity. We've just been allowing things to happen. But from the beginning, Jesus has always given us the authority to stop things from happening in the earth. I wrote some things down here and I want to read them to you. The church is designed to transform the world. Did you hear that? The church is designed to transform the world. It's not designed so that we show up on Sunday and then we get out of here and we do what the world does. And we just act like the world and we behave like the world. We do what the world does. And then we come back on Sunday and say, hallelujah. And then we go back out and we act and behave like the world. No, we're designed to change the world. The church possesses the power to transform a human heart by the love of Jesus Christ. The church possesses that power. Uh, laws can, can regulate behavior. Policies can regulate behavior. But policies cannot transform a human heart. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can change a human heart. And he gave that authority to the church. How many of you just by a show of hands gave your life inside of a church building? You gave your life. Look, look at the hands up all over, hands up all over. The church 
It's supposed to be a place that you connect with God, that you come and you hear about the love of God and the salvation plan that he has for you. And then you are transformed from the inside out. And then we don't have to worry about your behavior because you've already changed on the inside. Your behavior will follow suit. It's the church that's designed to do that. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. The church is the only entity with the unique ability to address root issues. The only entity with the unique ability to address root issues. The church's beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking and its potential is unlimited. We're talking about the church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Satan, would, if he had his way, he would shut down every local community that he could, every every local church, every church that is preaching Jesus, if he could, he would shut it down because he understands that it's the church that's standing in his way for his full agenda. The gospel must be preached. The lost must be found. Believers must be equipped. The lonely placed in communities and Jesus must get all the credit for it. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. The church should include sound biblical teaching, spirit-led worship, deep community, effective evangelism, and joyful service should all be a part of the church. The church will cause hell to decrease and heaven to increase. Glory to God. Now, how do you know when the church is mature? How do you know when a church is mature when it looks, acts, and sounds like Jesus? How do you know when a church is mature? When it looks, acts, and sounds like Jesus. Now listen, I'm about doctrine. I'm about teaching good doctrine. I'm going to teach you sound doctrine from the word of God. But I don't want you to look like the doctrine. I want you to look like Jesus. How do we know our church mature? When it's acting like Jesus. Collectively and individually, we begin to act, behave, and sound like Jesus. Church brings heaven's viewpoint into the culture. Church brings heaven's viewpoint into the culture. Let me say it again. Church brings heaven's viewpoint into the culture. A culture is a philosophy or a system of beliefs that is created over time that really in, in instructs our behavior. It's a system of beliefs or philosophy that instructs over time our behavior. Let's, for example, I'll give a shout out to Chick-fil-A. I've been to Chick-fil-A all over the country. Every Chick-fil-A has the same culture. They always say what? What do they say after they give you your food? That's in the culture of Chick-fil-A. It is, and it affects every one of their behaviors. It's the culture and it affects behavior. It affects response. It affects how they act and how they treat people. That is a culture. The culture that we live in now is wicked, greedy, evil, bad, manipulative, backstabbing. <laughs> it's crazy the culture we live in. How are they supposed to know how to live? The church. It's supposed to be teaching the culture heaven's viewpoint. 
This is why it's so important. I've been, over the last several months, the Lord's been talking about get on every available voice and preach this gospel. That's why we just recently got on radio, because we need the city to hear how heaven's perspectives views our current situation. This is why we're on YouTube and Facebook and, and, and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and you name it. Google, we're on all of it because the people need to hear heaven's viewpoint because if we don't teach it, who's going to teach it? Who's going to teach it? You're going to have somebody that don't know the identity whatsoever going to get up and they're going to tell you how you should be living your life. I always laugh when my wife and I watch this particular movie. It comes on all the time. It's called the Devil Wears Prada. That's what it is. The Devil Wears Prada. And in this movie, there's a lady that literally tells everybody what colors they should wear. This summer, this is the summer color, or this is the spring color, and 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 this is what we all this is what we all wear. And guess what? That's what we all wear. That's what they put in stores. That's what they sell because this one particular person tells everybody what to wear, and that's what we wear. That is uh, uh, that is just a tidbit of what the church should be doing. Are you listening? We should be telling, this is what we all need to be saying. And everybody says, we all need to be saying this. God will supply. And the whole world starts saying, God will supply. Well, what about that shortage over there? God will supply. Well, what about the lack of gas over here? God will supply. Well, what about the baby formula? We run out of baby formula. God will supply. Well, what about the money that it takes to raise babies and kids? God will supply. That's what we all should be saying. And we should be like, I can't remember the title this woman is, but we, we, oh, what, what should we be saying this year? Oh, we should be saying this, praise God. And everybody should be saying it, but that's what the church should have been all been about. And that's where we're going. People are more apt to listen to us than ever before. I know it doesn't look that way because a lot of churches have gotten so political that we've cut off an outreach to certain groups of people. But there are people like me and you and others that are going to preach this gospel, that, that are going to go with miracle signs and wonders, that are going to transform their hearts by the name of Jesus, and they will begin to listen to you and I. I thought I could debate any man now. Y'all here today. Come on, somebody. Are they going to listen to you? Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm fired up. Y'all looking at me like, get fired up with me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They're going to listen. I've got, I've got atheists calling me, asking me about God. Amen. This is what I'm talking about. They're open to hear. They're, especially young people, they're open to hear the truth of what we have and we have to bring it to them. God has summoned us. And gathered us together so that we can govern the affairs of a community. This is the power that we possess. Why, why do you need a church? So you can come together and gather together with like-minded believers and hear the word of God. And then take that out into your sphere of influence. As you guys work in all different areas, you're taking the word of God into those sphere of influences and you are changing and rearranging what's happening there. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Jesus gave the keys of governmental authority in his kingdom to the church. 
Jesus gave the keys of governmental authority in his kingdom to the church. You are the church. Matter of fact, uh, I didn't give you all this first, but put this on the screen if you don't mind. Ephesians chapter 1, 22 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1. My Bible just flipped right on to that. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, 22 through 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Look at verse 23, which is his body. This is important. He put all, somebody say all, all all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all. Somebody say all. all. And who did he give him to be the head over all things to? Who did he give this delegated authority and power to? What's the next part of the verse? Verse 22, it's up there. I'll put verse 22 up there. Verse 22, who did he give all these things to? Who? To who? He gave all things to who? All things under his authority to who? All things under his feet to who? To be the head over all things to who? The church. And who is the church? Look at verse 23. Who is the church? His body. And who are you? His body. You have been given all things. Everything is under your feet. Man, I wish I had a church that got excited about some of this stuff. It's under your feet. I mean, what you're going through is underneath you. Stop allowing it to be above you. When it's under you, put it in its proper place. It's under your feet, and you are the head over all things. But too often, we've been taught, well, I'm low-down, dirty worm, and woe is me, and I'm a sinner. And, and you can't be a sinner and be the head over all things at the same time. You have to be one or the other. You're either going to be a sinner, or you're going to be the righteousness of God. And you're going to be the head with Christ Jesus over all things. And you are going to rule and reign. Not that you won't have problems, but you are above problems. Hallelujah. This is what God has instructed the church to do. Show the people how to live their life. We should be. Listen to me now. People you work with. Like, like Susie said earlier, they can have COVID-19, they can have all this other stuff, but we are the church. Amen. And we should be living a little above them. I didn't say you were better than them. But I said you should be living a little above them where they're looking like, what in the world, Kara and Jerry, how, Jerry, how, how are y'all so joyful? Well, Christ Jesus lives in me. And I'm telling you, I, I am a part of his body and I'm just telling you, he takes care of his own. He just, do you want to be in Christ too? Well, yes, I do. Glory to God. I've had it happen. Why are you so excited? The Lord lives on the inside of me. Jesus is in me and I'm a part of his body and I'm a part of his church. Glory to God. You, you should be living a cut above. You should be experiencing a little more true life than they're experiencing. You should be experiencing a little more abundant life than they're experiencing. You, you should be an example to them because you are a kingdom citizen. You are a kingdom citizen. I read a stat recently, 
And uh, I don't know how they confirmed this stat, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I thought it was interesting. But the stat was people who are actively involved in a church live 10 years longer <laughs> than those that are not. Now, I don't know how they confirmed that, but I thought that sounds really good. If you are part of a local church and you're actively involved, you will live longer. And if you're in Christ, you're going to experience Abundant life. John 10, 10 says it. Life and life more abundantly. Psalms 91 said we're going to experience long life. You are going to be above and not beneath. Now, that doesn't mean you won't go through anything. That just simply means you have the keys necessary to access the excess. Glory to God. We heard that this morning. Access the excess. You have the keys to do that. And when you realize who you are, People are going to want to follow you. They're going to want to. They're going to be like, what is going on in your life? Like I mentioned earlier in this message, I have atheists calling me, asking me questions. They've told me years ago they don't believe there is a God. But I get texts all the time. Somebody have to stop texting me. I'm busy. Amen. Amen. But I help them. Glory to God. I help them. <laughs> But they're called, they're reaching out. What well, you seem that something real is happening in your life. Something genuine is happening in your life. We see that there's a difference in your life. That's how it should be. We're a beacon of light. The church is the hope of the world. Yeah. Glory be to God. And when you understand these things, when you understand who you are and what you possess, then you'll begin to experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.